Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's episode number 132 today. It's Phil and Logan here on another very fall day in Iowa and perfect time to talk about woodworking. Uh, special thanks to Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin. It's a handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. You can tackle joinery, hardware installation, cabinetry, and more with speed and precision. You can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. One of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, we talked last time about fall weather being ideal to be in a shop, especially if you have a unconditioned garage space like I do. So usually what happens when I start getting more shop time in the fall is I have to spend a certain amount of cleanup time from all the stuff that just gets kind of unceremoniously dumped in the shop. So I wanted to talk a little bit about shop cleanup, especially as it relates to one of my favorite tools. Uh, and I discovered, rediscovered this a couple weeks ago when I was building that, uh, barrel table with my dad is how much I love my little fine turbo vac. It's just a delightful tool. Yeah. I feel like dust extractors. I mean, you'd consider that a dust extractor, right? Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I feel like those are an underrated tool and those are ones that I actually have on my list to do uh reviews on this year for Popwood. Okay. This uh, 2023, because I feel like they're under utilized they're expensive i guess for what they yes. are if you compare them to a standard shop vacuum um, right they're expensive but they work so freaking well i don't think i've seen one that has been bad um but i don't yeah. think we have a good side by side on them which is why i think it'd be fun to do that yeah i guess what i really like about mine is especially since i had upgraded a few years ago from just a regular shop vac now i have the little the little version of it and it's been fine for me because i don't generate a lot of chips plus i have the oneida dust deputy so that's mm -hmm. kind of collecting the large waste volume there but and because my shop is relatively small but that thing even if i had the bigger one i'm only adding capacity it's not really a change in the motor or yeah. draw on the tool or whatever. So that's my primary dust collector. I have it hooked up to my bandsaw when I'm using it. Uh, I hook it up at the drill press, router table, um, plus general shop cleanup. About the only tool that I don't use it, power tool that I don't use it with, is my planer. Mm -hmm. But the planer that I have, that DeWalt 735, has a built-in blower on it. Yeah. So I just connect the inlet from my dust deputy to that and then the planer just blows into the dust deputy in activates the cyclone effect and and boom all set yeah don't need a big giant dust collector in my shop yeah i i will say um so oneida sent a dust deputy to me a couple of months ago they're 2.5 their newer one okay i have such an appreciation for that tool that i did not have before 
Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like I guess I, I had never used one enough or I used like homebrew ones that just didn't work the same. Sure. Like it's phenomenal. Like what the heck, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, uh, the reason I started using it and the reason I think it's a good thing is I'm not using a dust extractor. I'm using a standard shop vec. It's not shop vec brand. It's a, it's a rigid. Um, yeah. The filters on those things are freaking expensive. And, and yeah, you can shake them out and stuff. But if you get to the point where you're replacing that filter three times a year, just buy the dust deputy because it separates out all that crap from your filter. Yeah. And I think it will pay for itself. Now, I mean, the filter is still going to block eventually, but it. It helps remove a lot of that bulk that goes through there. Yeah. So. And it is surprising, you know, because they always say like that. So it's only the finest particles that pass through, but it's really fine stuff that comes yeah. through. And it does take a while before I notice that the suction is degraded on it, you know. Yeah. But Yeah. I will say, <laughs> oh, God, this is embarrassing, but I. I have no shame as everybody listens knows. Um, I, I was moving stuff around my shop like last week. Um, and somehow I, I, I disconnected my shop back from the dust deputy to move stuff around. Um, I reconnected it or I, I disconnected the hose from the shop back. And when I rehooked it up, I hooked it up on the exhaust side Mm, mm-hmm. And it was still hooked up to the dust deputy. Oh, it works in reverse. It blows it? really well. Oh yeah, it blows really good. I had okay. and, it, and I didn't have the hose off the dust deputy hooked to anything, so it was doing one of those wagging tail things mm-hmm. as it's sure. spewing dust around my shop. I just it's one of those I shut the vacuum off and I just left the shop. Mm-hmm. Just You're like I'm gonna need a moment to gather. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like, I'm just going to watch TV for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, Super funny. Yeah. But so the, the fine dust extractor you have, is it, is it, I mean, I'm guessing it's a tool actuated one, right? Yes. And I guess that's okay. another, you know, cause we have a Bosch one that we use on the video set here. And we use that at our router table and a couple of other tools. Mm-hmm. And I love the tool activation feature on it. It's one of those things where it feels like it's a gimmick, but it's <laughs> it's really nice. Like for sanding, it's ideal. Yeah. For uh, I don't really ever connect my. I mean, I probably could connect my bandsaw to it because it's not a huge power draw on there. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, having that feature is a is a big, big plus. Uh, and just being able to use it as a regular shop vacuum mm-hmm. when I need to for general cleanup on the, on the bench or, yeah. uh, you know, since my shop's in the garage, I can just quickly disconnect the, the dust deputy from it and use it for cleaning out the cars and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. So, yeah, well, it's, it's cool that over the last couple of years, those have evolved as well. Like as, as more and more tools are going cordless, batteries right. are getting better. Um, a lot of the big manufacturers have also made the dust extractors 
uh, um, Bluetooth. So you can still use them with a cordless tool that doesn't plug in. So like, you know, Festool, for example, you can plug in the Festool, um, their new dust extractor to their cordless tools and they Bluetooth each other. So when you turn the tool on, it still turns on, even though there's not a power cord to go in there, which is super awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and actually Makita, I, I'm, I don't know if other people make this or not, but I know Makita does. They make a dongle for turning your dust extractor into a Bluetooth one. Oh, okay. Um, so you can actually, if you have a dust extractor that is not Bluetooth, you can plug this little power brick into the plug yeah. and that Bluetooth with your Bluetooth tool. Um, I don't know if wow. it, I don't know if that crosses over into other brands. Like if you could connect the Makita dongle to a, uh, Festool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I know they offer that, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And I only know that cause I was talking to the Makita, uh, rep mm, several weeks back. Um, and he said, oh, this would be cool when you guys are getting ready to do the dust extraction review if you're re- if you're reviewing older ones. And I'm like, mm, we don't really review older stuff because that's kind of pointless if right. people can't buy them. Um, but it's a cool accessory. Oh, yeah. So kind of kind of awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I just it's and it's one of those tools where you hate to you almost hate to admit that your shop vacuum is one of your favorite tools. Cause it's not like, you know, I built nerd. this with my shop vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nerdy, but yep. having used it and then, uh, well, I was having some trouble anyway, there was a time where I wasn't able to use the shop vacuum for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Oh, I had a, that's when I had to rebuild my dust deputy setup cause I had cracks in it. So and then I had just filled up the dust deputy and was waiting for a new filter. And so when you're without it, it's like, oh, wow, it really does make a big difference. And oh, yeah. it's super handy to have around. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, we get a lot of, we catch a lot of crap uh, when people come do tours, when they get on the studio, not, or on the, on the video set, not so much anymore because we do a lot of woodworking in there now, but it's like, Hey, where's the dust? Yeah. I will say. It is so much more enjoyable, at least to me, to work in a shop that has a limited amount of dust floating around. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's more yeah. enjoyable to work in a clean shop, in my opinion. So, yeah, I I understand the, the health concerns about, you know, make sure you got dust collection and, and make sure you're, you're collecting dust at the source. And I get that, and I understand that, and I acknowledge it. However, to me, the bigger appeal shouldn't be but it is that it keeps my shop cleaner uh right which i like so yeah you know i just wish that there was a good way to collect lathe shavings because <laughs> <laughs> cleaning up after i turn was really lame right well and it's funny because the last time you were turning in here on video for whatever reason there was a just a limited amount of shavings or chips around. Yeah. Whereas other times, I don't know if it was just the material you were using or what, but it just well, it's like there's chips everywhere. You know what it was? It's because I was making that chisel handle with the broom or with the the shovel handle. It was oh, already round. Yeah, yeah. 
It was there wasn't ra- that's true. Yeah, so there, there was, wasn't as much. But. There wasn't much material, and the time before that, I was doing the duck call for Titan videos. Yeah. So yeah, it's when you're doing like the real fun, rough stuff. Right or green, I guess too is where you're starting to just oh, blast yeah. it all over the place too. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. It's not a good way to do it. Right. Which is funny because my other, I don't I think I got it from you and John is a few weeks back. I cleaned out the garage and a lot of times when I clean out the garage on like a warmish fall day where you back the cars out, pull all the bikes and the balls and whatever out. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have time for it at that point. So I just backed the cars out and then got my leaf blower. I have an electric leaf blower and then just opened up the windows and the big garage door and the main door, put on a dust mask and just blew the snot out of everywhere. Yup. And it's surprising how initially it feels like you're making this worse before it gets better. But if you keep moving around relatively methodically, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, it made it a lot better in here without having to... Yeah. Move all the furniture. Yep. I, that's one of my favorite, like after I'm done sawmilling. So I, I got a, um, I bought a steel backpack blower this last year. Yeah. And after I'm done sawmilling, you know, and most people don't care if there's dust in their yard, but some people do. So I always have it with right. me if I go mill for people, which I don't do very much anymore. But like here when I'm milling, when I'm done, then yeah. walk around with that thing. I can't wait to have a shop where I can do that with my backpack blower. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But yeah, I have a little Ryobi one and sure. it works great. Yeah. You know, especially for those of us dummies that still have benches that don't sit all the way on the ground. Right. Blow out all the dust from underneath it. Oh my gosh. So between the carved sign that I did, yeah. I was working on, and then that barrel table where I used a, jack plane to smooth level the joints yep i really have appreciated that my new bench in the fact that it's got an enclosed base yep all the way down so sweeping up around it is so much easier it doesn't have the disaster of spider webs underneath it and yep I drop something on the floor. I know where it is. It's not way underneath my bench. So for people who have been asking periodically about an update on my bench, I really gave it a workout late summer and into the fall here. And it's amazing. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, any issues with the top? Because that was one of my bigger questions with it. Because it's that fur. It's fairly thin. You reinforce the front edge. Um, have you noticed any flex on it at all? I haven't really. And I've been okay, doing some significant planing and carving work on it. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have noticed that I'm going to call a feature is right now the bench has gone from the like new crisp look to it, which is has an appeal to it. And then you get those first couple of dings and dents and it's like, yep. oh, it looks like crap. Yep. And now I've accumulated enough wear and tear on it. It has that charm. It, looks, it has charm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. But yeah. 
like especially with some of the things that I was working on, having a softish bench top is a plus because the bench top will ding yes. from chips being underneath the you know in between the workpiece and the bench top rather than the workpiece itself. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Well, and that's always a point that people argue is like, should it be softer or should it be harder than your material? It's like, yeah, ah, depends on what mentality you want to take on it. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's you know that's still something that I had it on my list this year to build for the magazine. It's going to be on my list next year for the magazine is a new workbench for myself because yeah. you know you built your horrors and it makes me really want to build another one because I don't like <laughs> some of the I, well I don't like some of the functions of mine. I built my bench eight years ago. Um, it right. just popped up uh, on my Facebook feed. Um, I was working on it eight years ago, and I, I realized some of the things I like about it, some of the things I don't like about it. There are significantly more things that I don't like. The only thing that's in my like pile is it's a usable bench right now. Right. Um, but I keep trying to decide because I really like the shaker style bench, but shaker style benches have been beat to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Feinerd Working's done theirs, Woodsmith's done theirs. Um, I don't think Wood Magazine's, they've done, Wood Magazine's done toy benches, I think. That's pretty much it. Because <laughs> that's, the wood magazine way jab at right. those guys we know them yeah. uh but i i came across a photo um i saved it on my computer downstairs um and actually there's a photo i think in shaker legacy from kristen bexford um the it is a uh it is called a shaker sewing bench or a tailor's bench i'm sorry it's not a sewing bench it's a tailor's bench so okay. Think of a kitchen island that's like four by nine and has cabinets all the way around it. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Like, it looks like, I mean, it looks like a kitchen island almost, but right. very quickly you could change that into a workbench with a lot okay. of storage in it. Right. And I, I think I'm going to maybe lean on that style um, where it's more, it might not look like a bench, but it'll operate like a bench. Sure. Um, Kind of, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to put the the photo I, I I snagged on the uh, show notes page because I think it's kind of an interesting take on it. Concept, um, yeah, yeah. The 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 bigger thing, one of the big downsides, and most people would not consider this a downside. One of the biggest downsides that I feel on my bench is it's just too big. Sure. Um, I have come to appreciate the smaller benches more um because there's less room for me to pile crap on so <laughs> i mean it well it, like seriously like i under i'm i'm self-aware enough to know how to combat myself give myself less area to stack stuff right um yeah. so i don't really want to do like my current bench is almost four foot by nine foot it's it's massive um i don't want a bench that big anymore i want like a two two and a half foot by six foot or seven foot bench you know? okay like I think the bench size you built is a nice size. Oh yeah, for for almost everything I'm gonna do, that's perfect. I've yeah, the bench is a little bit differently sized from my previous one. I don't think it's as deep, and it mm -hmm. might be a little bit longer, but it's not. I think it's it's not six feet long. It's a little yeah. bit less or close to six feet, and probably about yeah two and a half feet wide. So that's a yep. I, I've really enjoyed it as that size. And yeah. 
special shout out to Shaper Tools. They make that Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC that lets you do all kinds of cool stuff with your woodworking, whether it's joinery and construction or hardware installation or inlay and marquetry, all that kind of stuff. You can check out their site, shapertools.com, to learn more. Now, you you took a, a vice off your old bench and put it on this bench, right? Right. Yep. You still happy with that? Yeah, because it's a, it's a quick-release uh, Wilton vice mm-hmm. that I had gotten a, a while ago. What I like about it is that it's really easy to install, and I love the quick-release feature of it. Yep. yep. I did put a, a walnut jaw on the mm-hmm. front of it and I have the rear jaw recessed. So it's, you know, it pinches against the front edge of the, vi- of the bench top and with that walnut. And I think the walnut is a nice complementary material to the fur. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I haven't, I originally used that vice when I made my first bench. Um, cause I think it was something that, uh, Chris Schwarz had said in one of his workbenches, workbench articles was using like a face vice as an end vice. Yeah. And it seemed like a great idea. So I had built like my own homebrew twin screw face vice. Cause I thought that would be super cool. My version did not meet those needs and using the face vice as an end vice. The problem I had is on long pieces. When you tighten up that face vice, and maybe it's just a function of the mechanism on mine is that it ends up like cocking the work piece up so that it doesn't yes. stay flat on the bench top. So right now I don't have an end vice on my bench. I use stops a lot. Mm-hmm. I've made a couple of specialized bench dogs and stops that I use for, you know, planing panels mm-hmm. and boards and stuff like that. So I haven't really needed an end vice that I've missed it at all. And I use that just as the as the face vice, and it it works great. Cool. Yeah. See, that's that is one of my bigger. I I'm trying not to limit myself, I guess, because I really like the functionality of a leg vice. I have one on my bench right now. Um, I have a crisscross from Benchcrafted. Oh yeah. Um, actually. I have the crisscross section. I don't have the screw or the handle. Um, okay. Long story for a different podcast, but I have, I have the crisscross, and I keep telling myself, I need, whatever bench I design, I need to have a, a, the ability to add a leg vice. But I feel like I'm kind of limiting myself with that mentality, where maybe a face vice is just fine. Um, yeah. I really like, I really like the Emerson style vice, the pattern maker vice. Oh yeah, yeah, and I feel like that could function well um, for what I do. Uh, but the the end vice, tail vice, shoulder vice type thing, you know, I like. Theoretically, I've always really liked the shoulder vice because you can use it to to pinch parts and hold them on en- or work on the ends of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and I like right. that idea. Um, but it's something that I think I read on from Jamil Abraham. Okay. That they all like, I think it was like Jamil Abraham, right? It's mm-hmm. Benchcrafted. Yep. Um, Benchcrafted does not offer hardware for a shoulder vice. Right. 
they offer the like the wagon style vice. And something that they said in their article and why they don't offer it is because those always loosen up. And they do right. the same thing. As you go to tighten them, it racks the, the work piece up a little bit. Yeah. And then I started looking at the ones we have around, and they every one of them does that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of sag over time. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, dang it, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, from an end, like a, a face work vice, you know, which is basically those shoulders, wagon vices end up being for working on faces of material. Um, I, I do really like the H and T Gordon one that Dylan has on. His oh, on the new shop now. notes bench. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's a pretty sweet deal. I feel like I want to be able to tighten it down more than just with the little knob. Right. But there's no reason that I would need to. to. Yeah. So, so maybe it's just changing my perception that like, Hey, you don't need to crank that material down that hard. <laughs> um, so I, I do like that idea. I, my current. My current bench has a wagon style vice on it with the sliding mm -hmm. block and stuff, but I did it with a, um, oh, I don't remember what the, this, the, the hardware I used for it may have been like a leg vice hardware where okay. as you turn it, the handle comes out and out. goes yeah. in at the end of the bench. And it's about the best hip checker in my shop. You know, right. it's like you walk around the corner of the bench and snag yourself on it. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, these are all like considerations and kind of why I'm put, <laughs> putting off a design for a bench because it's like, I know what I want and I know what I want is going to change, but I don't know what I'm going to want. So <laughs> it's like, ah, dang it. I think but. you just kind of have to, well, right. Yeah. It, there's two ways to look at it. One is that it's going to change. And so then either change your bench or build a new one down the road yep. and yep. it's fine. It's okay. You don't. Oh yeah. Oh, completely. You don't have to make your forever bench right now. Well, and two, you never have to even have a forever bench. Forever bench. You don't want right. it. Yeah. 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 And then two, like you just know that, you know, you're a different woodworker than you were five years ago, 10 years ago. Oh yeah. And at this point, you've started to figure out, yeah, I, these are the features that I really want. Yep. So that even if you end up making three more benches down the line, there's probably going to be some similar characteristics that are going to carry the way all the way, all the way through. And exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's just a realization that I need to come to terms with. Yep. So. And I mean, there's, you know... <sighs> I think it's kind of, it's funny because you're working with the magazines and stuff. We're always up against deadlines. So there's, right. there's points where it's like, okay, I just have to suck it up and get it done. To right. Hit a deadline where if I'm on my own terms, I may take a little bit more time. And, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, magazine stuff becomes good enough, but there's a point where it's like, it's good enough for most people, you know, it may not be how I want it to be. Right. Um, for what I want, you know, um, like, uh, I guess at the end of the day, when the project's done, it's like, okay, there's things I would have changed about it. Right. Would I have changed some of those if I had more time? Maybe, but maybe yeah. not. Right. So. Well, and it's one of those things, like when we do editing for the article and we do copy edits and read through each other's articles, 
It's like, we can change it, but does that necessarily make it better? Oh yeah. Completely. That becomes very subjective on it. And I think sometimes having a deadline, you know, like I was doing that bench for video mm-hmm. and that was kind of the impetus that actually got it done. Cause otherwise I yes. would have, I would have putzed around on it in the same way, like my little mortising table that I've been trying to make for the last two years. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just won't do it because it's like, well, I should probably do this because that would make it blah, blah, blah. And then I got to, well, no. Eh. Yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly right, though. It's it's a double-edged sword because it, it gives you the motivation to get it done. Right. But then because you have to get it done, you might make a few compromises on design or functionality or, you know, construction or whatever it is um, just yeah. to get it done. And that's fine. You know, you just got to say, okay, that's fine. Right. Right. You know, and I, there's a certain sense that, uh, yeah, it's like you had said another time, you know, you can chase perfection till the cows come home or whatever. And I think you have to realize that, even though the workbench or the tool or whatever is an inanimate object, there is a conversation between you and that tool or workbench Mm -hmm. that, you know, my workbench has this so-called deficiency to it, but then you adapt Mm -hmm. to it and, and you, and you make it work. You know, it's like everybody wishes that they could have a bigger shop. However, they make it work in the shops that they're in deep thoughts with Phil and Logan. Right. Yeah. We're veering towards the philosophical here. <laughs> Start calling us Mortis and Tenon. They were saying that out loud. <laughs> oh, oops. I would actually kind of <laughs> like to have those guys on just to, to talk. Yeah. Or maybe I would just like to chat with them. Off the record. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily off the record. Cause no. I don't want it, whatever, yeah. but it's just more like, yeah. Hey, we have different ways of looking at it here, and it would just be fun to share the ideas without necessarily trying to convert yeah. the other person. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think it's funny because, you know, I've, this last year I've been traveling doing projects with people in their shops for, for Popwood. And you have this, a lot of these people I've, I've, you know, kind of known them for, years but never personally like never been in their shops working with them so you know you follow them on social media or you chat with them you know many of them have emailed with for years um but getting into their shops you know i i go into with this preconceived notion of how this person is how they work what they're right. gonna be like and then they're not you know good bad indifferent right it's like okay i see how they work now i understand how they work um and it's not bad. It's just different than what I would sure. I have in my head. So yeah, it's and, just, it's interesting. Yeah. And in the world that we live in too, is everybody, it feels like has a public persona as <laughs> yeah. much as they, as much as they would like to think that I'm the same on podcasts and TV shows and in the yeah. magazine that I am in person. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that about myself, but I, I know that I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because I've heard that same thing from many different people and I've been told by many different people like, Oh, Hey, steer clear of this person because 
what you see is not what you get. Get right. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Now, now when when that same when that same thing comes up about the same person from different people, then I start putting a little bit more weight on it. Right. Whereas you know, generally, I like to make my own opinions about people, uh, yeah. or about how people work, or or whatever. So, um, yeah. There you go. Super cool. Mm-hmm. I will say having, and we've, we've talked about this before with the Mortis and Tenon folk is I like reading and listening to their stuff because it makes me argumentative in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Like, does that make sense? Where it's, it does. Yeah. So well, it, it makes you, so I, yeah. go ahead. It will, as I say, it makes you self-reflect on your stance and your opinions on stuff. Sure. And how, and how you would defend it. Not necessarily, not necessarily to them, but how you would defend the way you work. Right. Or your mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it either reinforces the choices that I've made or mm-hmm. makes me question the assumptions that I made for a particular choice and whether those assumptions were legitimate mm-hmm. or makes, makes sense. I mean, I guess, yeah, depending on how you want to look at it, you know, the pro or con va- version of it, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, we sometimes make choices because of our conditioning and we don't yeah. know that there's another option out there. Yep. So, Blue Jays. Yep. He keeps bouncing from limb to limb and they're all like dead limbs. And I keep thinking he's going to break them off. He's a big boy. <laughs> he, the first one he landed on, he thought he was going to break off too. He landed on it and he f- threw his wings out like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a question that I have, and I think we've, I don't remember what we've talked about it on before is you have your new shop construction mm-hmm. starting very soon. Um, does, and I know you're going to, it's a shop plus some storage space. Are you next going to have some sort of a kiln system? Yes. Cause you've talked yes. about a solar kiln or dehumidification room or yep. something. Yep. Um, and it's funny because I just decided where that's going. Um, so initially I was going to do a, a shop. So the building Half storage, half shop, but above the shop was going to be a loft that would okay. be a, like a spare bedroom for people. Yeah. Um, unless you're Polk County, then it was not going to be. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I I decided there wasn't going to be enough headroom to do that. Right. And then I also decided that because a 16-foot tall building requires engineered drawings and requires uh, engineered materials. Sure. It was it didn't make sense. It was going to cost an extra 9 or 10 grand to do a 16 foot building versus a 14 foot building. Right. The big deciding factor in this is the size of our camper that's going to go in the storage area, but I can get a 13 foot door and get the camper in that. So, okay. I'm going to go to a 14 foot building. So, above the shop is not going to be any area that you would regularly go to. It will be some storage, but not not enough that I want stairs. So right. where I was going to have stairs going up is the perfect area for a probably a four foot deep by four foot tall by 
12 or 14 foot long dehumidification kiln. So it will, okay. it'll be enough for a small stack of lumber to go in maybe yeah. 500 board feet, dry that out. And I can do that on my own time, which will be nice. Right. So, yeah. So that's the next step in chunk of trunk. So, okay. Yep. I think I like the idea of it because it feels like dehumidification kilns are more like enhanced air drying rather yes. than, you know, like pottery kilns where I'm sticking wood in it also. Yes. I, there it's a, in, in the drying world, you have three different stages um, of, or three different intensities of drying. You got air drying, then you got solar and dehumidification, I would say, are the same. Then you have heat drying. And yeah. air drying is the most gentle, obviously. Right. Dehumidification and solar kilns are a little bit more intense, uh, a little bit more strenuous on the wood. Heat is the worst. I mean, it's not the worst. It's the most strenuous on the wood. It's, it's where right. you can cause the most issues. And the wood changes more in that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's my goal. So we'll see. Cool. That wraps up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I want to hear about them. Uh, you can send them as an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or put them in the comments section on our YouTube channel. Uh, please also uh, subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast to help the, wood, the Shop Notes podcast reach other woodworkers like you. Uh, special thanks to Shaper Tools for sponsoring today's episode. They have the Shaper Origin, that handheld CNC, and you can try one in your shop risk-free for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>